Hello everyone, welcome back to Chanel's Language Learning Journey Podcast on Anchor.fm where I talk about learning a language from a visually impaired perspective using tips and tricks from my own language learning experiences along with interviewing some of the most interesting language experts and language learners from around the world. Today is Friday, March 22nd, 2019, here in Akron, Ohio. And before I get started, I need to thank the sponsor of this show, Flipboard.com. Thank you, you guys. Um, It's a great place you can go to to get magazine articles. You can read about sports, politics, food, fashion, Flipboard.com is where you want to go. So I would head over there and check it out. Well, let's get started, shall we? You know, I thought about what today's episode was going to be about. And, you know, I said to myself, I've done 74 episodes already. This is episode 75. You know, I just want to give a shout out to everybody who has listened to the podcast, has subscribed to the podcast, who has come on the podcast to be interviewed, because without you guys, I wouldn't have made it to 7.4k listens so far. Um, You know, Anchor is a very interesting platform to put your podcast on because it is free. However, you know, I'm still understanding the analytics of, you know, podcasting and how that goes. So, you know, thank you to the 17 audience members that have been listening. I know I probably lost a little bit of listens from the audience due to there were difficulties with the app and, you know, people were just having difficulties and it was just hell. So, um, you know, thank you. I'd like to increase my listeners to have a wide variety of people from all over the world listen. And I know that the people who listen from each country, uh, thank you so much, especially the people here in the U.S., the 88 listeners that listen continuously, thank you. And so the three people from Spain and the two people from France and everybody that is in the one category from all over the world. Um, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. You know, I didn't think that I would be able to have a podcast, you know, given the fact that I have low vision and not a lot of technology experience. But um, come to find out, I I can. And it's been a very cathartic experience for me to be able to put on a show for you guys every week. You know, um, I know that next week I have an interview with Dr. Eva Koyakawa, um, who documents indigenous languages that are dying. And she's going to be talking about how she documents indigenous languages and creates language nests for people who want to learn um, such languages as Bass or such languages as 
Mohican, for instance, or Lakota, I just use those languages as an example, um, she will be on the show on the 28th of this month, and I also will be talking to Oregon Polyglot, um, Andy Roberts on the 30th, so those two episodes will be coming out um, at the end of this month, and next month's going to be jam-packed with a lot of people from Women in Language, um, starting the month of April on the 4th, it's going to be Lindy Bodis. Um, she's originally from South Africa, but she's lived in Paris, in Japan, in Pakistan, and now she's living in Singapore. Um, she's a polyglot and she's a designer. And I will be interviewing her on the 4th and on the 9th. Um, I will be interviewing Destiny Yarborough, who is American and she um, is a polyglot within the world of sign language. Um, she knows Vietnamese sign language and French sign language and British sign language, American sign language, and she's going to be talking about that on the 9th, and so I thank her for coming on the show, along with Shahida Foster, who works in Europe um, for a company, and her main language is German, and she speaks and works in German. She also speaks French as well. Um, there's a few others that will be coming on the show in the later part of April and going into May in the later part of May. So I hope that everyone enjoys these next several episodes that I will be coming out with. Um, you know, I do have to say that, you know, being a language learner that's visually impaired and a podcaster, you know, it's sometimes a little daunting because you see all these people who can speak 15, 20, 30 languages, 8 languages, 10 languages, and you have to tell yourself, okay, I'm not them, I'm me, I have my own way of doing things. And we all learn from each other, and we're all positive. We all try to support each other. But there are some times when you do get a little bit frustrated because you wish that your process was a lot faster than what it is currently. But I look at it with my strong belief in God that in due course, things do tend to happen when they're supposed to. Like, for instance, right now, I'm juggling Italian and French, Cantonese, and Thai. And I'm taking it one day at a time, and I'm doing a little bit here and a little bit there, and I'm doing a lot of listening and a lot of speaking. And, you know, there are some people that say you need to be able to write in the language and read in the language, but because I do have a vision impairment, that prevents me from reading with my left eye, um, print, you know, I do a lot of listening, a lot of comprehensible listening, and I do try to learn the Braille code for particular languages that I'm interested in reading and writing in. 
So right now I'm focusing on French and I'm focusing on Italian because those are um, romance languages that are Latin-based and Germanic-based and writing style. And so the alphabets are not that different. Um, it's easier for me to be able to read and write in Braille in those languages and pick up a large amount of vocabulary as a result of it. Um, you know, I mean, yes. Do I wish I can get to a B1 and both of those languages speaking? Yes, I know that it's going to take some time. But in hindsight, I know that I will eventually get there. I just have to take my time and not rush it and not compare myself to all these other people out here who have 100% um, 2020 vision. And yes, just because they do have 2020 vision doesn't mean that their learning style isn't any more or less easier or difficult for them as well. Everyone does learn differently. However, it is somewhat a daunting task when you're trying to put together a podcast, you're trying to learn these languages, you're trying to conduct interviews every week, and it can be somewhat stressful at times because it takes you a long time to be able to get people to come on your show. You have to have some type of rapport with the individual that you're wanting to come on your show. You have to research the information. And I do all this using voiceover on my iPhone and my iPad Pro in conjunction with my Braille display from time to time. And a lot of it is audio-based in regards to me having enough input to be able to have intelligible conversations um, when I'm giving interviews. And sometimes I do get a little bit apprehensive because, you know, I'm talking to these people that I do admire a great deal. And yes, it can be quite a challenge to get people. But when I finally do, you know, I'm extremely humble and extremely grateful, just like I am with you guys listening today. You know, I'm sure that when you guys are studying your languages, you come across that little bit of trepidation in regards to am am I good enough will this be good enough for you know me or the person that I'm going to be talking to will I be understood um you know and we all have that you know will the other person on the other end understand what I'm trying to say in English even though we do speak the same language you know I mean, I don't know British English very well. I mean, I love British authors. I love British playwrights and actors and musicians and the royals and such. But at the end of the day, I'm from the United States. I'm 41 years old, going on 42. You know, I I live, you know, in public housing in the U.S. And I live on disability. And 90% of my resources and 90% of my experiences with learning languages come from me utilizing the library, the internet, free resources, the generosity of others sharing their books and materials that are digital, me purchasing every couple months a book in Italian like this month. I bought um, the Italian version 
of Hunger Games, even though I don't have the the Catching Fire or the Mockingjay in Italian yet, ebook wise, but I plan on getting them. You know, I have to search all the time for information that I want, and I have to make deals with people to, you know, save up my money so I can buy one of their courses. I would love to buy Ollie Richards, you know, um, beginner's course in Italian. But right now, I don't have $297 to do it. So I said, you know, that'll be something that I will put my money back and I will buy. You know, because it's something that means a great deal to me. I mean, right now, yes, I'm learning off of Mango Languages and Innovative Language Learning. I want to thank my friend Stacy Johnson, who's a customer service rep, for giving me um, the opportunity to utilize Innovative Language Learning Language um, Database, you know, so I can I can dabble and dip my feet into whatever language I'm interested in. And, you know, I have taken advantage of downloading the information so I can have it at the ready when I need it, you know. And, I mean, if all I want to do is get to a B1 or a B2 in certain languages, then I will. And I know that it will take me some time. Just like I know it takes plenty of you guys out there time to be able to get to the level that you want to get to. Whether you just want to read it or you want to read and write or you want to listen and speak or you want to watch TV. But I know that it's a process and it's a journey and that's why I came up with Chanel's Language Learning Journey podcast as the title. Because, you know, I'm on a journey. And I didn't have a degree in linguistics, and I didn't have, you know, a master's degree in translation and interpreting. I just had a passion to want to be able to speak these languages, to understand them, to be understood by people. And sure, sometimes I do get negative feedback from people because, you know... They don't understand how I learn, given the fact that I'm an auditory learner and I learn by ear. And, you know, everybody's used to visual, visual, visual all the time. And, you know, I think people tend to forget sometimes that when you learn your first language, you didn't know how to read or write. You were just a baby. You were just absorbing all the information that was coming into you at one time. You know, and you were repeating everything that you heard. Sometimes it might have been for the better. Sometimes it might have not been. And that's just a part of life. I mean, when you go to school and you start preschool and kindergarten and you start um, first through 12th grade. Yes, you learn how to read. You learn how to write. You learn science and arithmetic and you learn history and the arts, whether it's theater or music or art, where you create sculptures and paintings, whether you do PE, whether you do photography, whatever it is, it's a form of language for you to be able to communicate and analyze your thoughts and feelings and emotions with people, whether it's on a canvas, whether it's on a piece of paper, whether it's in a blog, whether it's a film, whether it's you running the mile you know, in a race, it doesn't matter. You're still able to communicate. And that's what matters. You know, language is a bridge to form 
relationships with people. It's a tool for you to be able to use, um, whether it's in English, whether it's in Chinese, whether it's in Arabic or Hungarian, Finnish, French, German, Latvian, Icelandic, Mohican, Lakota, Pawnee, Sioux, Cherokee, you know, Aramaic. It doesn't matter. Everyone communicates differently. And when you're able to learn basic phrases like, hello, goodbye, nice to meet you, my name is, I am from, I'm learning this language because, you know, I just want to be able to say basic phrases. I want to be able to order food at a restaurant. I want to be able to read an article in a newspaper. I want to be able to go shopping and pay for my my food at a grocery store or a clothing store or a shoe store in the currency of the particular culture, the particular country for which I'm going to. I want to be able to buy my plane ticket or pay for my rent using euros or yen or pounds, you know, um, or krona, you know, or rubles or the American dollar for, you know, all you know, you never know where you're going to go. You need to know the currency and how much things cost and and certain things to be able to get by, how to give directions, how to tell if you're feeling sick or not. These are just some of the things that, you know, you have to be able to do in a language. Yet, you know, if you're visually impaired, not everyone is visually impaired, um, has the same visual acuity. I mean, there are people like me that can see three feet in front of them distance-wise, but I can't read 12-size font, newspaper font, or paperback book font. But I can read the headline because it's big enough print. Yet, I only can read with my left eye. I cannot read with my right eye. I could never see out of it. So, you know, I had to learn Braille, but even when I did learn it, I wasn't allowed to use it. I wasn't allowed to do math with it. I wasn't allowed to do science, you know, in school because I still have what they call readable vision. And if you can read large print and write longhand, they expect you to be able to do that until you're in your 40s. And now that I'm going on 42, I can no longer do those things. Yes, I can write with sight checks, which are big print checks with black lines on them. And I'm able to write a check out. But that's the extent of it. It's becoming more difficult for me to do that now. So I've always had audio in my life ever since I was a little girl. And I always had a book in my hand ever since I was four years old. And so, you know, when I'm learning languages, I have to sit there and answer questions from people that really don't understand my my eye condition very well without offending anyone. Because sometimes I can get upset. Because I feel like all I do is explain myself constantly. And then I have to take a step back mentally and understand that these people don't know. Because they've never been exposed to someone like me before. And not everyone that has a visual impairment. Their visual impairment is different. The amount of vision that they can see out of one eye or both eyes are different. Um, They may not know Braille. And a lot of people don't. Um, They might know Jaws for Windows or they might know VoiceOver or NVDA, which are screen reader softwares, Linux. And then some people might not even know that. 
they might just use a handheld magnifier and they might use large print and they might use sharpies or paper with black lines on it in order to be able to read and write they might use some talking devices to help them but not many um because they could still read the screen so i mean when i look at my own language learning journey you know i have to look at okay i go to the library i get stuff from the library like pimsleur every once in a while now i'm using mango through the library for free and then after i finish with whatever the levels are whether it's one level if it's a one level language like cantonese thai swahili egyptian arabic then i have michelle thomas which i i bought a couple years ago in dutch arabic japanese french and italian and as a result of that you know, I'm able to use it along with the innovative language learning information that I have for free. And I use YouTube and SBS Radio and Coffee Break languages. And I also go on my um, language learning um, friends pages and I watch their videos and I listen to their podcasts and how they do things and the struggles that they have. And we all can agree, you know, we all love doing this, but it it can be stressful. It can be something that, you know, you have to like take a break from sometimes because it can be overwhelming to just continuously do the same thing day in and day out. Whether you mix it up with music, movies, books, TV shows, you got to be out there utilizing the language to the best of your abilities. Sometimes, you can't get, you know, people to talk to, so you have to go out in the world and, and try to use it to the best of your ability. I mean, a lot of the people I have talked to, they live in Europe, whether it's Central Europe or it's Eastern Europe or it's Western Europe, and, you know, they they don't necessarily have um, the opportunity um, to come to, you know, North America that often because it's expensive, but it's cheap to go around Europe. I and you know there's sometimes I get a little envious because I wish I was in Europe. I wish I was able to access people a lot more easily. You know, living in the U.S., you don't necessarily have access to a passport. You know, the U.S. is so big, people don't have to leave the country if they don't want to. Okay, yes, you need a passport if you want to go to Canada or Mexico, the Bahamas you know, some of the islands, so forth and so on, yes. Jamaica, Barbados, um, Haiti, um, Trinidad, the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Mexico, South America, Central America, Uruguay, um, you know. So when you have, you know, the Virgin Islands, St. Martin, St. Thomas, St. Croix, um, you know, so yeah, we have to have passports and a lot of people don't. And if you're like me, that's disabled, that lives on a fixed income, it's very difficult. It is not easy. And, you know, I know for me, that's my goal is to be able to save money to go to Langfest next year, you know, and to grow my podcast. You know, I would love by my birthday. My birthday is June 1st. 
So I would love to get to 10K by my birthday. I would love to get to 25, 30, 40, 50K listeners by um, the end of the year. You know, I would like to have a bigger audience. I would like to have a Patreon account. I would love to, you know, be able to collaborate with somebody on, on something, you know. And, and yes, it is difficult when you can't find certain people to collaborate with half the time because, you know, everyone learns differently, which is the truth. But if you're not used to being around someone that has low vision, you don't know what they're capable of doing. And a lot of it is you having to prove yourself to people constantly. And I do have issue with, you know, I feel like, oh God, I have to prove myself again. You know, I thought I already did. And when I was in school and and when I was working, you know, in retail and and, um, customer service and food service, so forth and so on. So, you know, I've come to understand I am always going to have to prove myself to a wider world of people that don't really understand the situation. You know, um, I might be able to see furniture and see people, but I might not be able to read a, a street sign. But I do see like fences and yards and grass and all that. I just can't see the, you know... Uh, Milky Way constellation or the constellation Leo, but I could see the moon and the sky and birds and trees and what a car looks like. Now, if I went behind a car that was not moving, of course, and I were to look right directly at the license plate, I could read it as long as I was three feet in front of it. I had to be right on top of it in order to read it, but I could read it. I couldn't read it 30 feet back. I just could not do that. And, you know, I mean, I lost a lot of my vision because I had to use it in order to be able to, um, you know, do my job working in a fitting room for six months. And I had a magnifier, which wasn't as powerful as I thought it was going to be. And, and I wound up being let go because, you know, on my shift, supposedly people were stealing, but people were stealing before I even got to the place. And, you know, honestly, it it was a great experience. I wouldn't change it for anything, but it wasn't my dream job. It took me six years just to get that job, you know, because when you are living in a world where you, the door is closed to you because of you having a visual impairment, you're not having the right technology, the right amount of education. And it just goes to show you can have a couple certifications, you can have a bachelor's degree, and it doesn't matter what it's in, you could still get turned down for a job. Um, You know, they want you to have all this experience, but then when you tell them, I volunteered my time doing so-and-so-and-so-and-so with this particular organization or it's not considered work experience, but I feel any type of work that you do, whether it's volunteering, freelance, or whatever, it's still work. It still takes you time to be able to do that particular job or that particular skill set. And, you know, when people say that, it just unnerves me because these are the same people that got rejected when they first started out. And when you see other people that have other disabilities, 
such as ADD, ADHD, dyslexia, Tourette's, OCD, adult autism, Asperger's. They wind up getting jobs. People in wheelchairs wind up getting jobs. People that are deaf wind up getting jobs. But if you have a visual impairment and your vision is not that great, um, you don't wind up getting a job. And if you do, that's because your technology skills are what they are. Um, you know, I mean, I, I didn't own a computer until I was 24, believe it or not. I had to teach myself how to use adaptive equipment software because I didn't learn that in high school. You know, I was forced to be in a classroom with people that had an IQ that was way lower than mine. And when I started at the school that I had gone to, the Ohio State School for the Blind back in like 27 years ago, um, I was like at a 10th grade reading level. And I was ahead of the school by at least two years education-wise. And they were like three years behind. So everything I had learned in the sixth and seventh grade, when I hit the eighth grade, they were just now teaching it. And it was very difficult. I did not learn French or Russian or Italian or Dutch or Spanish in high school or in junior high. You know, I had a week of Spanish and that was it because I couldn't read the blackboard. I couldn't read the book. I was put into a... Um, a homeroom situation where I pretty much was told to read a book and that was it. I, you know, I was bullied. I had pencils pointed in the back of my neck. And this is after they sharpened them with a manual crank it out pencil sharpener. And it was, it was very hell. It was hell. I had books Textbooks thrown in my face, basketballs thrown in my face, um, money stolen. You know, it was bad. And my mom sent me to the blind school because she didn't want me dead. You know, and this is when gangs had started. And, you know, I always wanted to learn, like, Russian and Italian and French. and uh, Because, you know, I enjoyed the history and the culture and the food. And, you know, I just wanted to be able to speak something other than English. And I was denied that opportunity. I was denied to, to have a, a proper education even when I was at the blind school. And so I had to teach myself history and I had to teach myself a lot of things. And it wasn't until I got to community college at 23 years old that I came to understand, you know, education is very important. And I started taking this, the classes I wanted to take. The only thing that sucked was I wasn't able to take French or Italian or Russian again because of the campus I was at. They only had Spanish, so I took it. And I, I appreciate the teachers that I had and they worked with me because this is before you had Facebook or YouTube or any of the social media sites that they have today. And I was just someone that sat and, and did a lot of exposure to the language. I, I, I listened to a lot of telenovelas, uh, court shows in Spanish, uh, El Corto de Pueblo with Senor Waste Manuel Franco. Now, mind you, mind you, it was something that I really, um, 
didn't want to take, but I didn't have a choice but to take it. I, and I did very well. I got like all B's in my Spanish classes. They even wanted me to go to Mexico and Cuba. And that didn't happen. Um, because of money, once again, I didn't have a passport. <laughs> and uh, as a result of that, I just, um, you know, continued to listen to music because that was what I enjoyed. I didn't like speaking the language. I liked singing to it. I liked the dancing and the food, the cultural aspects. That was what I loved about Spanish. And some of the people were cool and some of the people were not so nice. And um, as a result of that, you know, it wasn't until I was 38 when I decided to learn Russian and then French and then Dutch and Italian. And I'm not highly proficient in Dutch and Italian and French, but I can get by. I can understand what's being said. I can have a basic conversation. And that means something to me, probably more so than anything else. And, you know, when it comes down to languages, you know, I love it. You know, there are people that claim that I'm not passionate enough about it because I'm not jumping off the rails like a tigger, you know, in a pogo stick. And I'm not bouncing all over the place going crazy about learning a language, you know. I don't try to boast about it, but I do try to say, hey, you can learn this too, just like I do. You know, you might take a different approach. I'm more auditory. I do a lot of listening. And yes, I do fall asleep like everybody else does sometimes. But I do enjoy the process. I find things that are interesting to me. I mean, yes, right now, would I like to have the other two um, Italian versions of the Hunger Games? Yes, I would love to have the Italian version of the Hunger Games the, in, in ebook format. But I know I won't be able to get it for another week or so. But, you know, I mean, and that's another thing. When you're trying to find material, it's not so easy. You know, people assume that because you live in the U.S. that everything is accessible. No, it's not. Not everything is accessible. Um, you know, we're just now joining with the other 77 countries that has ratified the Marrakesh Treaty to help the blind worldwide in the book famine so they'll be able to read books from all over the world. Um, that just happened recently, which is probably the only thing that Donald Trump has done that, that made any sense for anybody that has a, a print disability. You know, and I mean, there are people that didn't even know what print disabled meant. Well, it means that people who have difficulties reading print, whether it's visually, whether they're dyslexic and they see things backwards, whether they're clutter blind, whether they're, um, you know, visually impaired and they can't see small print or they have to read big print or they're completely blind so they have to do audio. I mean, there are plenty of people out there that have full sight and they use audio. So, I mean, that's nothing that's new it's been around since the you know early uh, 20th century so and that that means something to a lot of people but you know we still need to encourage people especially educators in the U.S. and worldwide to continue to promote braille because there are people out there that are not literate um they cannot read or write and yes, I understand you have people that have sensitivity issues because they have diabetes and they have to poke their fingers a couple times a day to check their 
their sugar level and everything. And so their sensitivity level becomes difficult for them to be able to feel the braille. So they can't read because of that. But for everybody else that can, it's worth it. You know, I I mean, I know French Braille, Italian Braille, Russian Braille, Spanish Braille, um, Unified English Braille, and American Braille. Um, I am going to learn Thai, Cantonese, Japanese, and Arabic Braille at some point. But that also takes time. Just like any language that you learn, it takes time for you to be able to successfully learn these codes. It takes about a year. You know, and and it's worth it though because that way I can get an ebook in that language, and as long as my braille display supports it, then I would be able to read in certain languages, and I'm fine with that. Now, honestly, yes. Do I have aspirations about Chanel's language learning journey podcast? Yes. Do I want it to grow to 100,000 people? Of course I would. Would I like to be like Damon and Joe where I have like over a million people? Heck yes, I would. That would be great. If I could be like Steve Kaufman where I have 100,000 people on YouTube, that would be great. But if I could do that for my show, that would be amazing. If I can inspire people to get up every day, even if you're taking 30 minutes out your day to learn something, that's better than nothing. You know, whether it's a podcast you listen to, whether you go through flashcards, whether you go through a teach yourself book or or chapter, whether you go through an Aussie Mill chapter, whether you go through Mango languages or you go through Duolingo. I don't use Duolingo because I tried it and I really didn't like it and it wasn't for me, but I would never tell anyone they shouldn't use it. You know, whatever floats your boat. That's what matters. But, you know, I mean, I love Michelle Thomas. I love, you know, I do use some Pimsleur, but I'm more on YouTube and, and certain blogs from certain people in certain countries. And, you know, thanks to my polyglot friends from around the world that support me with great advice. And, and you know, I mean, I appreciate that probably more than you ever realize. I mean, I'm going to be honest, like, it's hard when you don't feel like you fit in to a lot of groups because of the fact that on one side of my body, I can't see anything. On the other side of my body, I can see, but not enough to be able to operate a vehicle or be able to read a newspaper, which I mean, if the world defines somebody based off of how much physical vision they have, and if they can drive a car, then that's just like really ignorant. Because there are people out there that catch public transportation every day and refuse to get a car because it's too expensive for them or because the public transportation system's great wherever they're living. And I, you know, I get, I go with my guide dog, Bono, my yellow Labrador retriever that's six years old named Bono, B-O-N-O, like Bono from YouTube. And he will walk down the street and cross the street and go on the bus and go on trains and planes. And, and travel all over the U.S., you know, when I can afford it. And, I mean, that's just something that we do on, you know, when I can. And 
will go and I'll volunteer my time at nonprofit organization helping people with their English. And people help me with my languages. And the fact that I'm able to say a little bit in Cantonese or Thai, or I'm able to say a little bit in Turkish, or whatever it is, I'm utilizing everything that I learn on a daily basis. And it makes me happy to be able to create these podcasts every couple days for you guys. And yes, I would love to see my numbers grow up and my audience get bigger because if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't have had 74 episodes. And I appreciate the fact since day one, five people were listening. I didn't even know that until today that five people started listening and people started increasing, you know, and I just want to say thank you so much because I do this for you guys. And I do this to educate people, to let them know, you know, there are all kinds of language learners out there. You know, people who have sight, people who don't have any, people who have partial, people who, you know, have no limbs, but they still love learning languages and they love learning about life. And just like Luca Lambriello said to me recently, um, that... He likes learning for the sake of learning. And I, I agree with that very much so. I love learning for the sake of learning. I love learning about history and philosophy and politics and food and fashion and entertainment and people in general. I just love being around people and talking to people. And that means more to me than, you know, doing absolutely nothing with my time. And so, you know, evidently, um, I'm glad that you guys can hear me, you know, just talk today about how I feel about language learning and why I'm passionate about it and what struggles I have to go through. You know, because trust me, sometimes it's not easy to come out and just say, you know, I'm having a bad day today or I'm depressed or, and it is, I, I come from a military family on my mother's side and they just suck it up and keep going and don't really talk about their problems that often, you know. In a lot of African-American households, they don't. They, what happens in the family stays there and that's it. Um, you know, if you come from a military family, you just go and suck it up and you keep going, <laughs> You know, regardless of what, what it is. And, you know, honestly, I I feel that by talking about what it is that I enjoy doing, living my authentic life, you know, I'm not rich. I'm not, I don't have tons of sponsors. I don't have, you know, tons of subscribers. You know, um, I I might have made $7 off of, like, the, the two sponsors that I have so far, you know, I have a Patreon on my, um, anchor account, but I, I haven't received any donations from anybody, you know, so, I mean, to me, it's not just about the money, per se, to help me make this podcast better, because I would love to, to boost it up a notch by having a, a professional microphone and a professional, you know, headset. But, you know, when you're on a fixed income, that's kind of hard to do. You have to, like, really save up for it, you know, for several months. And I'm lucky that you guys are able to understand the quality sound off of my iPhone success. You know, 
So, and I'm glad that you guys are sticking with me because, you know, this is something that I really wanted to do. I really wanted to share my story and tell about how I feel about language learning. This is just my personal opinion. It's nobody's opinion. I'm not promoting any person or any company. You know, I'm just doing this because this is something that I enjoy doing. And I've met so many cool people as a result of it. I have over 4,000 people on my Facebook. I have 7.4K listens so far. And yes, I might have 17 listeners right now, but I know that that's going to grow. And with you guys' support and sharing the podcast and telling people about my podcast, that helps. And I just want to say, you know, language learning is a journey and a process. Enjoy it. Do not rush it. And I'll see you guys in episode 76 of the podcast when I interview Dr. Eva Koyakawa on the 28th of March, 2019. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. God bless.